Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your hosts, Brian Edwards, Nathan Cravat. I'm JC Groves. Hey, we want to thank Free Life Soap for sponsoring the podcast. You can find them by going to therecoveringfundamentalist.org, click on the Free Life Soap tab, and use your promo code RFP to get 20% off of your order. We also want to thank an incredible team who works behind the scenes, Justin Knight. He does a ton for the podcast, and so many of you talk to Justin through email, and we just always want to thank Justin for being a great behind-the-scenes guy and our patrons of Patreon. You literally keep the podcast going month-to-month with a lot of the overhead that we have, and so we want to thank y'all, Free Life Soap and the patrons of Patreon. Well, guys, how has your week been? It's kind of been a little bit slow since we pressed pause and took a little sabbatical from the RFP fam group. What did y'all do during our little sabbatical? I went to New Orleans and uh, drove back. And then I had the privilege of watching JC, one of the best videos I've seen online in forever. And that was you in the wrestling ring. First of all, first of all, I'm impressed that you were able to pick that guy up like that. You are a beast, but (laughs) little red overshadowed everything. That was one of the cutest videos I've ever seen in all my life. So I'm standing in the ring. For those that don't know, we had Nacho Libre movie night at Student Ministry. And I was like, let's up the ante a little bit. And so I know the local wrestling promoter here. So we set the ring up in the auditorium. I work at the coolest church in the world. Our pastor, Brandon, he was like, hey, why don't we just put that in the auditorium on Saturday night? And it's Father's Day. We'll just use it as a photo uh, backdrop. I was like, let's go. So Sunday I preached, and there's a wrestling ring in the auditorium. And then to take it to a whole nother level, my pastor, I work for the coolest dude in the world. He was the ref for the wrestling tournament. And I was like, man, I can't get in trouble. My boss is literally in the ring. That's and so awesome. We, we jumped in at one point doing some banter, and he threw this dude at me, and I just picked him up. And all I hear in the corner is, Daddy, 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 let's go, Daddy. <laughs> I slammed the guy down, and she come running up and gave me a hug. Like, literally, that was the coolest. That was the best Father's Day I've ever had. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> so we took a break. And I got a root canal, went to a couple of weddings. Like, my week was nonstop. What'd you do, Nate? You were in Florida, weren't you? Yeah, I was in Panama City Beach with my nephews and my son and my cousin and a couple other guys that I hadn't met for his bachelor party. Nice. So uh, if if you hear rumors floating around about me out there, they're absolutely not true. I don't know where they came (laughs) from. But actually, I believe that's my first bachelor party I've ever been to. And I was the old man there, but uh, had a blast with my nephews. We, we, uh, everything we did was fun. We played putt putt. We played cards together. We went out and ate some really good food and seafood while I was there. So that nice. was cool. And then I ended up driving home. I got uh, home at about two o'clock Sunday morning, and then had to be up for practice at about. Had to be at the church about seven thirty. Practice same eight fifteen. <laughs> And all day wide open, but had an awesome day with my family. My wife cooked an unbelievable meal for me and uh, hung out with my daughters and um, had got, I got to see my son the day before. I did not get to see Elena who, uh, you know, the thing about my kids is every one of them will tell you that they are my favorite. And (laughs) that is only because I have told every one of them that they are my favorite (laughs) at one time or another. So uh, they all believed me and... In some ways, it's true because uh, I love them all in different ways, and they're all yeah. incredibly special. But I did miss getting to see Elena, and I didn't get to see my dad. Uh, talk to him two or three times, but uh, that's that's one of the downsides of moving away. And I guess you guys understand yep. that you both yep. live away from your your parents, and yep. uh, I, I hated that. But had some great conversation with him, and looking forward to seeing him soon. Well, you know, at your age, you partied like it was 1999. Um, by the way, <laughs> here's what's bad about that. I can remember Still hearing relevant. that song as a teenager and yeah. thinking 1999 is so far away. That will so never yeah. get far here. Away. Uh, so yep. that's sad. But, you know, the older you get, the more you learn to appreciate your parents if you have great parents. And uh, oh, yeah. my mom, a couple of weeks ago, had, as you guys know, a couple of, of additional strokes and uh mm-hmm. And, you know, her speech is a little affected at this point, and so we're still praying for her. But, hey, thankfully she's still alive and was released from the hospital. But I had the opportunity to go and spend the night with my mom and dad and take them out to eat and just love on them. 
And that's awesome. And, and, you know, I sat across the table and, you know, when they're eating or they're talking, I was just looking at them thinking I need to drink in every moment of this. Yeah. And I think so often, you know, we don't realize just how brief time is. We preach life as a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away, but then we don't live like that. And, um, so I, my, my father's day was made when I had the chance to, to go and spend that time with my mom and dad. And then Kelsey cooked an amazing dinner for me, like about a 10 and a half, 11 ounce ribeye steak and nice. man, did yeah. a great job. So I was treated like royalty, but at the end of the day, I just walked away from it saying, you know, I'm incredibly rich. I, I would have to take yeah. a pay cut to build, to be Bill Gates. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, Brian, I was thinking that exact same thing. So Saturday, we drove home to Chattanooga uh, to do a wedding, a former student that was there. And uh, I stayed at my nanny's house because she's got my my papa's old bed. My papa passed away, you know, about a uh, year and a half ago, two years ago. And uh, so it was just nanny. And I woke up and I'm I'm leaving. I was going to go meet a guy for breakfast that morning. And as I'm walking out, she's like, John Calvin, come sit down. And I went and had to sit down. She made me a biscuit and an apple fritter and made me sit there and eat it. (laughs) And we sat there and we just talked about everything. And and we were talking about the podcast, which my nanny is still very, very independent, fundamental Baptist. Um, You know, there's some folks that probably listen to this that know nanny. I mean, she she still doesn't like it. Uh, Some of the things that she'll ask me about this week, she started asking me about some of the people that we've talked about on here. And she's like, I just can't fathom that they're that way. And I'm like, well, it happens, nanny. You know, so just... Getting to have that conversation, and, and, you know, I mean, she's at that age now uh, where, you know, what you just talked about, Brian, I'm like, man, I need to I need to eat, eat this up right now and just really take it all in because I get to sit at a table and have a 45-minute long conversation with my grandmother who is very old, and, you know, it was, even though she doesn't agree with any, everything I'm doing, I mean, she's, she's just like Papa, just a little bit more vocal and mean about it, but, you know, she, <laughs> it was, she still loves it, and I'm still her John Calvin, you know, and so one of the things we got to talking about is, as we were sitting there was the, the TV show uh, The Chosen. Have y'all watched The Chosen at all? Yes, yeah, some of it. I haven't seen it Dude. yet. My family is addicted to this show. We love it. I mean, it has really just bought the brought the book out. I've got the shirt on right now. It says, come and see. But what I love about this shirt is I saw it. Um, my Bubba, uh, Corbin, he got baptized a few weeks ago, and he wanted all of us to wear these T-shirts. And it was his idea straight up. He's like, Dad, I want everybody to come and see uh, what Jesus has done in my life. And I tell you, wow, it's man. just cool how God works. Um, when Kim walked down the aisle, Nathan, you were in my wedding. She walked down the aisle to the song Come and Listen by David Crowder. And, you know, it's just so cool to stand in the water and see Bubba get baptized. But the chosen shared our picture on their social that. media platform. Man, I had family in Africa. I had friends in Brazil, people in Moldova, all <laughs> over the country. They're like, um, bro, the chosen shared your picture. <laughs> it was it was the craziest thing. So I was like, hey, Bubba. Your outward sign of an inward change is literally being seen around the yeah, world. Awesome. It went viral. Is, it was yeah. so cool. And awesome. the couple of goofy people that wanted to attack you for that, Jeez. it's not even worth mentioning because they're stupid. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it got shared around the world and, and literally Bubba got what he wanted. He, yeah. he got to share the good news. And, Brian, I, I wanted to share this with you in the spirit of Father's Day. Uh, this isn't a joke. I'm not going to harp on you about being too old enough to be our dad or anything like that. But I was on the phone with my I'd have mom. Had to have been five years old, Nathan. <laughs> five years old. Hey, what a man! What a man! <laughs> you, 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 li- you literally could be my dad, though. <laughs> so I was on the phone with my mom today, and she had been talking to one of her best friends in the whole world who lives in Florida, and uh, somehow the podcast got brought up. And she started telling her all about it, and she said she would look it up. And And my parents don't agree with everything on the podcast either, but we have conversations about it. Well, she told her best friend about the podcast, and she goes, oh, he needs to look this guy up that lives in North Carolina. You need to ask him if he's ever heard of Craig Edwards. He has a lot to say about things on that topic, and that would be a good resource for him. And Mom said, have you ever heard of him? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, we've interviewed him twice, and his son is one of my co-hosts. So <laughs> your dad is is really the OG recovering fundamentalist. Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome to hear. It's You know, it's cool that he's his age. 
and he's taken all the heat and gone through all the pain and everything. And he told me just the other day, he said, if I could go back to where I was preaching all the meetings and all the camp meetings and, you know, a card carrying member of the club and everything else, he said, I wouldn't go back and change it for anything. Right. The pain, yeah. the and journey, I, it's all been worth it. Yeah. And if, if he knew how many people loved him and appreciated him and respected him, cause I promise you, he's probably never met this lady. And, uh, she had a lot of really good things to say about him and how, mm. how much he was attacked and how he stayed faithful. So, Hey, the testimony is out there. And I, I just wanted to give your dad props for that. Craig is a cool guy. Yes. Well, speaking of being attacked, you know, we, we want to give just a shout out to Eric Swarzynski over at the preacher boys. Um, Eric, Eric takes some, some junk thrown at him. You know, guys, when people talk about us, which they do, you know I mean? We hear it. We just don't care to listen. Um, when they talk about the RFP, they could be talking about one of us individually, but a lot of the times there's three of us. And so we respond. It's all three of us. When they talk about the preacher boys, that's a direct personal attack on Eric. And, uh, you know, he posted today, I've, I've had a sermon preached about me. I've been called all kinds of things and, you know, now I'm getting blackmailed and there's just so much going on with him. And we just, we did not start the podcast at the same time. We didn't even know who Eric was, but we have become friends with this young man. And, uh, I really appreciate Eric Swarzynski and just the work that he's doing Truth never fears a challenge, and he has taken the challenge straight to it. And, uh, you know, Eric, we just want to let you know that uh, you, you got some friends in the RFP, and uh, we're with you, buddy, in the trenches. And keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job, bro. You really are. Well, you can never expose sin and have the expectation that you're not going to be attacked because right. you are. And, yeah. you know, Eric, his podcast deals with such a dark subject that I couldn't do the work that he does. I, just being honest, I couldn't. But, you know, the work that he does is so critically important that um, you can be confident he, he's going to live with a bullseye on him. There's no doubt about it that lies definitely fear a challenge, and he has taken it straight to him. And so, Eric, keep going, bro. We're in your corner. We're cheering you on. And uh, take a break from time to time because you're dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff. Hey, here's some truth. The RFP meetup is coming in just a few short weeks. We are going to be in Bourbon, Missouri. And this thing is growing and getting more excited every day. Um, man, we're about to be in an airplane heading up to Bourbon here in just a few weeks. And there is still time for you to sign up and to be part of our RFP Midwest meetup. Uh, we're going to be in Bourbon, Missouri, August 26th, 27th, and 28th. So for all those people that are asking, it starts Thursday evening, August the 26th with dinner, so around 6.30, and it's going to end Saturday morning after breakfast. And so all the stuff in between, buckle up and hold on. It's going to be awesome. We're taking it to a whole nother level in Bourbon, Missouri, that's for sure. Can't wait to get up there and see Matt Dudley, man. It's going to be oh, awesome. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, the conversations, the singing, the stories, the fellowship, the laughing. It's just it's going to be it's going to be one awesome family reunion. And it's not just an RFP meetup, it's an RFP network meetup. We've got the other podcast, a few of them that are part of the RFP network, they're going to be there in Bourbon, and they're actually going to be recording live episodes at the meetup. And so you're going to be able to hear uh, other podcasts that are part of the RFP network doing some live episodes. We're going to be recording a live Q&A. We may even sit down and do a big roundtable with all the networks. Man, who knows what's going to happen? There, there may be, be some awesome. special guests showing up and singing. Um, dude, the this meetup is going to blow your face off. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, guys, we've been talking for a while about this episode, and we are going to be talking about music and worship and what that should look like and sound like in the church, and there's a whole lot to talk about. So this is a topic that is near and dear to us because we've all lived our entire lives singing in churches. Yep across the country, and I'm excited uh, to kick this off tonight with a song that we sang in Vegas. Hey, JC, I'm going to take your line tonight. Let's go! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? I want to enter 
So guys, all of us sang our entire lives, all of us sang in different churches of different styles in different states. Um, I think most of us at some point in time sang in services with some of the most well-known, most powerful independent Baptist pastors and evangelists on the planet. That was our lives. One thing I think that would be good to get started just to help shape this conversation for people is the level of confusion we encountered with regard to music because of being in the IFB. Like one of the first things that's confusing is the fact that there is so much variation. There is so much difference between movements and circles and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Nathan, did you, did you encounter some of that just like I did? Yeah. I mean, we would go to places that were more like Bob Jones. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost opera type singing and anything else was wrong. We would go to camp meetings where it was pretty much bluegrass, southern gospel, country gospel even. And uh, man, the more country and southern twang it was, it was and the more banjos and the more instruments. And then we were at churches that really didn't want to have anything except for a piano and organ. 
And the problem was not that there was so much variation. The problem was that different churches would teach that their way was the only right way mm-hmm. yeah. and that anybody else that's saying any differently was worldly or mm-hmm. sinful. I remember singing at my nanny and papa's church, and it was done with a piano and an organ. Uh, And then I could sing that same song the next week at a church that was Southern Gospel, and I could have a soundtrack with guitar and piano and drums in it and bass guitar. I lost a singing competition at Teens Involved at Word of Life in Florida years ago. Man, (laughs) Word of Life has changed a lot, but I lost it because I was moving my microphone and I had vibrato in my voice, and they said that that vibrato was bringing attention to my vocal cords and not to the song. Uh, There's a lot of confusion that comes, especially when you are trying to figure out, I thought that was going to be my life, like I was going to be a singer, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, how am I going to do it if I'm not singing camp meeting style, or I'm singing Bob Jones style, or Pensacola style, or my nanny and papa's church? Like, you know, I think what happens is a lot of times we will say that there is good songs songs that are out there and we'll preach against the people that wrote those songs that sing those songs. So JC, you got challenged because of vibrato in your voice. Uh, we were actually singing, uh, at a camp meeting in the Northeast. And, you know, I grew up in the country just like you guys did and grew up on bluegrass and Southern gospel. And so vocal runs is just how I actually feel what I'm singing. Mm-hmm. It's just how I perceive the song and so we sang the lighthouse that night you know and when we would sing the lighthouse i would always there's a lighthouse on a hillside you know Mm, and and somebody actually came up to me after the service and asked me the question why do you why do you make a great song like that unacceptable it you move your voice so much that makes the song about you and people yeah. miss out on the message. And I can remember not even understanding what they were talking mm. about. And then yeah. now, not only does that happen with vocal styles, but JC, that also happens with writers, authors, and even contemporary Christian music. I mean, I, I yeah. know you have something to say about that. Yeah. I, I just want IFB preachers, especially to stop preaching against what they actually allow. They will preach against Bethel music. We've all heard these guys preach against Bethel and there's lights and their sound and their apparel and what they're wearing. And yet then you hear them singing a Bethel song just because it's been turned into, you know, some girls singing at Southern gospel and people running the aisles, but they will sing a Bethel song after they have preached against the 7-Eleven, the, exactly what it is. And we're just calling them to quit being hypocrites and either believe what you preach and don't sing their music or s- sing their music and tell them that it's not that bad. Now, here's the other side of that. You got guys like Bill Reeves that will say, we only sing independent fundamental Baptist church music, like these people's music. But yet it has been proven over and over and over again Bill's family is singing Southern Gospel Group songs. They're singing Collingsworth Family and Greater Vision and Legacy 5 and the Irwins. Like, they're singing their music. They're just changing it to sound independent fundamental Baptist in that circle. That's garbage. Like, that's straight hypocrisy. It's got to change. Well, there is no such thing as independent fundamental Baptist music. I mean, let's just be honest. He's the boss, so it must be. Yeah, well, independent (laughs) fundamentalism has been around for years. And not one commentary has been produced or anything even like that. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't think they're writing songbooks. I can promise you that. Um, but you know, well, not you know only- what I find funny with what you just said is there's two contemporary songs in the hymn book now. How great is our God and indescribable? <laughs> Probably more than that. Oh, I would assume, but that's the yeah. ones that I knew. Another thing that's confusing about music in the Independent Baptist Church for me is they don't even allow what is allowable according to Scripture. Yeah, They act as, as if the Scripture is definitive about music, and it's actually not. Explain what you mean by that, Brian. Well, you know, the Bible never endorses an actual style of music. The Bible yeah. never endorses a particular vocal style. The Bible... Yeah never endorses um, a certain blend of instrumentation. 
The Bible never regulates volume. The Bible never yeah. speaks with regard to any of that. And so all of these different concepts and ideologies regarding music, they're all man-made. You yeah. take scripture and you use scripture to say something that the scripture actually isn't saying. For example, I heard not long ago a pastor list all of the instruments that Nebuchadnezzar used when he called on the people to bow before the image, and he made reference that that meant those instruments, was they were worldly, that somehow they were satanic because hmm. Nebuchadnezzar used them in the wrong way. But we don't know how frequently those instruments were used in a positive way. We, we yeah. don't know that Nebuchadnezzar didn't just misuse them because the issue was not the instruments. The issue was his heart. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's and the, the problem thing. with that is the problem with that is that if we're going to take anything that the world does and say that's out of bounds for Christians now, then basically we're handing over a good gift of God to the world. Why does the world only get to have good music? Why is mm. it that we're going to surrender the thing that our God created mm -hmm. and calls us to redeem and use for his glory when they're the ones that are twisting it, but that doesn't mean we can't use it. I mean, the role of worship of music is biblical. I mean, I was reading today out of Exodus 15, after escaping Egypt and crossing the Red Sea, they sang a song to the Lord. You know, I mean, they Israel's formal worship in both the tabernacle and the temple in 1 Corinthians, the psalm, it bears rich testimony that in joy and sorrow and praise and lament, the faithful raise their voice and song to God. Mm. Hymn singing, I mean, it's practiced by Jesus and the disciples in Matthew chapter yeah. 26. You see, the apostles were instructed in Colossians to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and mm -hmm. admonishing one another in all wisdom and in gratitude in your heart. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have taken this and turned it into preference. And I believe that's what yeah. legalism is. It's preference. Somebody doesn't like the beat, so you're a sinner because you have drums on your stage. Somebody doesn't like the way that the person that wrote the song sings it, and so it must be a worldly song. We've got to get rid of preference, and that's what I think makes it very confusing is when preference, man-made ideology, which is the foundation of why we're doing this podcast to call this out, is what has taken this issue of music and really confused it. Well, you know, the the strange thing to me is, you know, D.L. Moody uh, traveled with Ira Sankey, and hmm. Ira Sankey actually played the pump organ. And D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey were referred to as a circus hmm. because they had the, the pump organ, and, and pastors and preachers actually preached against uh, their music and, and their meetings all because of the music. And then the original hymn writers were excommunicated from the church. They, they were not allowed to write hymns because hymns were unacceptable to the church because they weren't psalms. So think about it. Now, all of these years later, we have pastors who are <laughs> preaching. If you sing anything but the hymns, you're wrong. And the organ yep. is widely accepted as a church-approved instrument. I mean, we all know that we went to churches that had the piano and the organ because those were, those were the two holiest of instruments but there was a time when that was unacceptable which which mm. means to even step into that realm there's no there's no sure footing there biblically to yeah. rest your feet on because the bible doesn't point and say this is allowable this is not allowable this is acceptable this is not acceptable you mentioned exodus 15 when the women picked up tambourines and they danced all right, I want everybody to use your logical mind for just a moment. Just join me on this journey of using your logical mind. God had the authority and the power to part the waters of the Red Sea until the children of Israel had crossed on dry ground. He had the power and the authority to lift his stay on the water so that the water collapsed back onto Pharaoh, Pharaoh's armies. So stop and think about this. 
wouldn't God have had the authority to tell them to stop playing the tambourines and stop dancing if that displeased him? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And there's another thing that people love to talk about contemporary Christian music. Well, the word contemporary basically means from today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's in this current time. So all music was contemporary when it was written. We recently this is this is how bizarre this whole discussion gets. Recently on Twitter, we had a discussion and someone was talking about singing hymns and how only that was right and how we can't sing hymns from today. And I was like, well, what about songs that are theologically rich, songs that are full of the gospel, but they're written today? And he was like, well, we just need to wait about 50 or 60 years, and then we can sing those songs. <laughs> Do you know how stupid, stupid. Exactly. that is? That is it, and I don't apologize for saying that. That is not even logical. The mm. Bible actually commands us to sing contemporary music. It says, sing to the Lord a new song, multiple places. And when Isaac Watts was writing hymns, like you were talking about, Brian, it was considered contemporary. It was considered that he was going too far. And now that's what the most conservative people use. Mm. But when he wrote that song, he was way, way out of line. And there were discussions that were being used against him. So the whole thing breaks down. And Brian, it goes back to the reason that you used. It's that it's not founded in Scripture. I understand principles. There are principles in God's Word that we don't need to try to look or act and sound like somebody else sure. that's not honoring God. There's, we all have principles and standards like that. We all have songs that we don't like and that we're not going to, we're not going to use, but we're not going to stone somebody who has a different opinion than us on that. Yeah. Well, you know, it was really confusing for me because I was brought up in the movement that brands itself old time religion. So we are all about the old time way, but then they would have the Wisnets and the hoppers and the greens and all those different approved groups sing at the camp meetings and they would get up and and actually say out loud, this song is from our brand new album. This is our <laughs> brand new release. This is our newest song. Wait a minute. I thought this was about the old paths and that we didn't <laughs> accept what was new. But but because they're approved and because of their style, well, oh, that new is acceptable. Oh, yeah. I, I, can't, I see how this works. No, I'm, thoroughly, I'm as confused as a gnat in a yo-yo. <laughs> Brian, I, I, JC, I've got a question for you guys. Is it just wildly possible within the realm of possibility that maybe just country people like country music and urban people like urban music yes. and northern people like northern music and American people like American music? Is it just possible that it's a cultural thing that the Bible allows Christians to have liberty in? I, I would agree with yes. that 100%. Listen, nothing is more divisive than music. More church congregations have divided over music than almost anything I can think of. As a matter of fact, I've never had anybody leave Hope Church and come to me and say, I'm leaving because there aren't enough people being saved. I'm leaving because the gospel is not being preached. I'm leaving because this church doesn't love the Bible. When you list real qualified reasons for someone to leave. I've never had anyone say any of those things, but we've had hundreds of people leave because I don't like the music. Yeah. Yeah. I think music's a key factor, uh, if not the factor for a lot of people in why they choose the church that they do. I think, you know, the result has yeah. been that multitudes of churches in the, in the last decade, the last two or three decades have decided over music that they used in the service, whether they're going to reach a certain type of people. I think music is the bottom line to so-called worship wars that we all went through. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's similar rage in churches across the nation. And 
you see a lot of churches, and, and what I find is interesting is a lot of churches, because I worked in, a, in an IFB church that was behind the times, but what happens is time is continually moving on, but these churches try to jump in 10-year increments or 20-year increments, and so they're like, oh my goodness, we're singing songs like, it's 2021, and we're still singing Days of Elijah, and they're like, we should probably upgrade this, and they jump straight ahead <laughs> to Oceans, and they're like, oh, that was popular eight years ago, you know, and, and what happens is it's it becomes unnatural. It, it becomes something that is not real. It's almost forced, if you will. I love how churches have separated services. You know, you got the builders, the baby boomers, you got the Gen Xers, you got contemporary service and traditional service. You've got all of this stuff. Music plays a large role in our worship services today. And honestly, guys, I think that's a healthy thing. So Nathan, I couldn't agree more that it's, it's colloquial. It's often where we're from. It's what we prefer it's what we relate to. And, you know, it's really odd how people will make something acceptable because of the instrumentation or the style. As a matter of fact, one of the last meetings I was in with Tony Hudson, yes, believe it or not, I've preached in meetings with Tony Hudson and sang in meetings with Tony Hudson. But one of the last meetings I was uh, in with him, after the service was over, several of us pastors we were going to pile up in, in a vehicle and go to a local restaurant and eat. And it just so happened that night we were going to ride in Tony's vehicle. But when we got in, Tony was playing the bluegrass song. He loves bluegrass. Nothing wrong with that. Good for him. But he was playing the bluegrass song, and the title of the song's Maggie. I don't know if you've ever heard the song or not, but the opening chorus, I was brought up on bluegrass, so of course I know that song well. So the opening Verse is, yonder stands little Maggie with a dram glass in her hand. She's drinking away her trouble. She's courting another man. So, Maggie. so the dram glass is actually a Scottish reference to a glass of whiskey. And while that song's playing, Tony is saying, Ooh, boys, that is good right there, man. And at one point, he even made a joke and said, that's got the anointing on it or something like that. And we all laughed because he was just joking. And we were just listening to a bluegrass song. But he's going to preach that contemporary Christian music that, for example, this past week, you know, we sang um, a couple of Hillsong songs. And, and one of the songs that I love most, what a beautiful name it is. And then, you know, the next chorus, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. You know, just, man, that song so exalts Jesus. He's going to say that's wrong. Mm. Well, no, Tony Hudson, you're wrong. It's not acceptable to listen to, you know, Yonder Stands Little Maggie with a dram glass in her hand because there's banjos and fiddles and acoustic guitars. That doesn't yeah. make the lyric right. And And that's just... It's frustrating. Yeah, and and if you add to that the variation like we started out talking about, let's swing from Tony Hudson who, remember he told Matt Dudley that it was okay to have banjos and, and mandolins and all this other stuff, basically bluegrass in his church, and told Matt Dudley not to worry about what other people said. To swing all the way over to a guy like David Cloud, who, by the way, doesn't agree with anybody. Nobody is good enough. I don't think anybody in the IFB lives up to David Cloud's standards. He comes up with some of the most insane things on music. And one of the things that really always bothers me is the way that they use the word worldly. Mm. Mm. And I'm reading off of his website now. This is his guidelines for a Christian church for worship. And he says, music must be spiritual and non-worldly in sound. And then he gives a bunch of scripture references, and I promise you none of them have anything to do with worldly-sounding music. He's it. twisting it out of context. But you can take worldly-sounding music, and you can use that word worldly to mean anything you want to. I could say that people in the Bob Jones circles that sound more opera— they can sound worldly because that's how Broadway sings music. And 
that's of the world, right? Or mm-hmm. I could take Tony Hudson and be like, well, your world music is worldly because you kind of sound like a bluegrass band. Or I could take another group that's singing a Southern gospel song, and obviously everybody sounds like somebody. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing original. We all learn things from other people. So this has always been very hypocritical to me, and it exalts man over Scripture. And this is what we have such a problem with. When you talk about worldly, it should be listing out what the Bible says is worldly. And we talked in the last few weeks about this, that the the works of the flesh or the things that are worldly are sinful things. It's not styles and genres of music. Well, you know, Nathan, we have a standard here at uh, Hope. Is it about God? Is it to God? Is it for God? Or is it about me? Is it for me? Is it for my own gratification? Mm. Uh, For example, we don't sing mama's teaching angels how to sing because angels haven't been in heaven mute all of these years waiting for your mama to arrive. You can love mama, but she's not teaching angels how to sing. We're not singing that song. That's not for God. That's not about God. That's not to God. (laughs) We're not singing. I'll fly away because I'll fly away is one of the most unscriptural songs you can ever sing. It's not for God. It's not about God. It's, it's not to God. And so I know people would say, well, so then you must only love modern day worship music. No, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So you can sing, um, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing for he alone amidst the flood of mortal man prevailing. You can sing that song and it is about God. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sing, I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. That's for God. Mm-hmm. Or you can sing, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the folly of sin, I resign. My gracious redeemer, my savior, art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. That is to him. It, when you make that your standard, it's not about a style anymore. Mm, it's, yeah. it's about singing sound doctrine. It's about yeah. singing the gospel. Uh, for example, I challenge anyone to go and listen repeatedly to Hope Church Danville's music. The style is more contemporary, but we only sing the deepest, most doctrinal, solid songs that we can find. We constantly sing the gospel over God's church because ultimately these people aren't ours. They're, they're God's people. And so we, we, we sing the gospel. We sing for God, to God, about God, um, or, or for edification. If music yeah. doesn't fall into those categories, then it's unacceptable. It shouldn't be about, oh, that's an electric guitar. Or, yeah. oh, good, there's a banjo. We're good now. Because, you know, I remember <laughs> in services, you know, bluegrass Christian groups used to sing Fallen Leaves That Lie Scattered on the Ground. You, you remember hearing that song in church for oh, years? Yeah. I sang Fallen it growing leaves up. Leaves That Lie Scattered on the Ground. I don't even know what that song means. <laughs> I'm not even sure God knows what it means. Uh, you know, but but wait a minute, that's acceptable because of the instrumentation. I, mm, yeah. I think that's a very shallow way to look at music and to approve music. That's good. I think a lot of times, though, the songs that get the most rile out of people, the emotion, if you will, are those songs mm. that are very self-centered. I mean, there's a big one in the IFB world, I'm Not Going to Hell. You know, that song, it's all about me. I'm not going to hell because I've said yes to Jesus. I'm not going to burn. So, I mean, you know, it's just like an emotional, let's sing this over and over again, get the crowd rolled. I tell you, a contemporary song, I mean, if you want that, there's one that, that was big years ago called Above All um, that just was not very scriptural. Above All, crucified, laid behind his own, you thought of me above all? No, he wasn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was, his, his chief, it was the glorified God that, that made yes, it, yes. his death on the cross about me. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. You know, there's so many of these songs 
that focus exactly what you just said, Brian, very man-centered. And what happens is when it focuses on us, it loses the gospel message, which is all yeah. about Jesus. That's yeah. spot on, Brian. Yeah, and I think another problem with uh, music in these circles is something you just touched on, JC, and that's emotionalism. Oh, my Songs gosh. Yes. Are, are saying just to pump up and yeah. drum up emotions. And here's the thing, guys. You, you kid me about it all the time. You did on the last episode. I'm an emotional guy. Like, I feel things, and I don't think emotions are sinful. No. God created us with emotions, and we glorify God by allowing those emotions to be stirred for his glory. And, and dude, I'm just telling you something. I'm not above raising my hands and shouting. I'm, I might even wave a flag. It's probably not going to be an American flag. They waved banners in Scripture. So I don't mind emotion, but when you're working and manipulating people's emotions... And the other night, a friend of mine uh, sent me a text message about a camp meeting that sang one song for 35 minutes. I grew up with that. When you're just trying to work emotions up, wouldn't that 35 minutes be better spent preaching the gospel and explaining how glorious God is and how amazing he is instead of trying to get people into this attitude. I mean, that's straying into mysticism, where you get people's emotions worked up to where they'll do anything. It's true. Yeah, and when you play the right song in the background, and then you have the master manipulator talking through the music, you remember Benny Hinn did that. He had oh, that yeah. one song that he always played as the healing, and I put quotations around that, as that part of the, the service was going to start, he would start to sing those same songs that he used crusade after crusade after crusade, and then he would start to say those same repetitive statements over and over again as he would manipulate the crowd and work them emotionally. Um, yeah, that's, that's some pretty frightening stuff. I sat in a... I put quotations around it, revival service years ago in the late 90s at Tennessee Temple University and Highland Park Baptist Church where they sang, Matt and Melody Orm sang a song called The Altar, and they literally would sing that song the every night for probably three or four times. And, I mean, it was emotionalism. I remember as a, t a high schooler sitting there watching all these people going down to the altar, but that song did not give praise to God. It idolized the altar. You know, it, it mm -hmm. was giving praise to an altar that the services come to the end. That's what the altar is for, that you don't have to carry those burdens anymore. You know, it, it was all about the altar and not about the one who gave his life so that we don't have to carry those burdens anymore. But the mm -hmm. song was sung in the right way, in the right time to get the emotional response out of people. And, you know, I'm not one that's going to sit here on this podcast and dare question who was saved and who was not saved at that revival service. But we see emotionalism. Uh, that's why yeah. at some of these camp meetings, they'll sing the same song. And my wife and I were at a camp meeting a couple of years ago, and we watched the same student go to the altar six times during the same song that they sang over and over again. It will emo get your emotions stirred. And if the right person, like you just said, Brian, knows how to work those emotions, you can keep doing it, and it's going to keep getting the result that you're wanting, which is the altar's filled. Yeah, and here's the problem. If the Holy Spirit doesn't bring someone to an altar, hello, it's not going to do them any good. You're right. I, yeah. How many times did I go to an altar My gosh. as a teenager? I mean, over and over, and as a kid, over and over and over and over again. And most of the time, I was getting saved all over again Same. because I had been convinced that I wasn't saved uh, because the focus was put on my performance. Yeah. And obviously I'm never going to perform and live up, especially as a teenager. And so, yeah, I've, I've been through that whole game, but man, I've heard music that really wasn't that great, but it had the gospel message in it. Yeah. And dude, the Holy spirit gripped my heart and convicted him, convicted me of my sin. And my life was changed mm. yeah. not because of an emotional experience. And, and it was emotional. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, it's emotional. That's why I, I really struggle with, with uh, saying too much about experiences like that because I think even in the middle of a, 
emotionally manipulating service with a guy who's really mishandling worship that people really do get saved and people sure, really no are doubt. touched by the Lord and the Holy Spirit can work through that the same way that I think God saves people in churches that I would never attend because I don't agree with them uh, in their theology and their methodology, but God uses them to rescue sinners. So, you know, I'd, I want to be careful with casting stones at it, but as pastors, we're having this conversation primarily as pastors and a lot of the people listening to us are pastors. We're called to something higher than that. We're called to the glory of God. We're called to the proclamation of the gospel. We're called to leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit to change people's lives, not to say we had 450 people in the altar and 300 got saved again, and we baptized 120 of them, and none of them came back to church the next Sunday. Yeah. That's, that's not what it's all about. Well, you know, Nathan, I mean, if we want to be honest, it's not even about coming to an altar. Where did yeah. that originate? It's about the Holy Spirit giving you faith to believe the gospel so that yeah. spiritual resurrection actually takes place in right. your heart. You know, Lazarus was in the grave. He wasn't in there thinking, I need to be alive. I need to work harder at being alive. I need to do something mm -mm. so I can be alive. Lazarus heard the voice of the only one who has the power to say, Lazarus, come forth. He heard the voice of the only one who has the power to speak to the dead and then he was brought to life. And, and, yeah. and so I think a lot of times we, we use the music and the manipulation and you make a move. You need to make a move right now. No, no, the Holy Spirit needs to move on your heart and life and resurrect yeah. you spiritually. And if that happens, you don't have to worry about moving. You will start to move through the sanctification process just fine yeah. as a result of his power and his strength. You know, Brian, you are spot on. I mean, an old-fashioned altar never saved anyone. A new altar, a well-used altar, whatever, no, it never saved anyone. Not once did going to an altar save somebody. I mean, Jesus saved me sitting in my Jeep on Old 601 Highway in Yakinville, North Carolina. There was no music playing. I mean, it was sitting there. And, and there's people that are commenting on this that said, uh, I heard a story of a guy that got saved sitting on the toilet. Uh, there's a guy that got saved while walking through Walmart. The Holy Spirit is not condensed to an altar call service, and the altar call yeah. is not over when you say that we're done singing and we're going to go on. He can save anybody, anytime, anywhere. It, it's yeah. straight-up fact. Yep, the Holy Spirit travels. Well, you know, the one thing we do know is how we are supposed to approach God. The mm -hmm. Bible says come into his presence with singing. Yeah. You know, that's that's specifically what Psalm 100 says. <laughs> come into his presence with singing, singing in a thankful way. It doesn't yeah. say with vibrato without. It doesn't say yeah. with yeah. guitars without. It doesn't say with drums without. It just says, come into his presence with singing. And, and so the main thing is, is that we're already singing. We're already in a spirit of worship when we come into his presence yeah. with mm -hmm. the congregation. I think one of the biggest issues that's never addressed in independent fundamentalism, I never heard this addressed, is that we are actually to live a life of worship. Yeah. Hey, guys, worship mm -hmm. is not music. The Bible never even says that. Worship is the posture of a person's heart. It's all that I yeah. am, bowing in full submission to all that he is. Yeah. It's living a life of surrender. And when we live a life of surrender, we live a life that is in awe of him. And when we live a life that is in awe of him, we don't have to come yeah. into a room and have the right instrumentation and the right singers and the right song we're we're coming into his presence with singing because daily we're living in his presence, glorifying yeah. him and bringing honor to him. And so we come into his presence with the congregation, with a song already in our hearts, already in awe of how great and how wonderful he is. And we're joining the heavenly choir that's surrounding his throne. Like it's in Revelation 5, 11, and 12, I saw the host of heaven round the throne yeah. of God. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And they were saying with a loud voice, holy is the Lord, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and honor and riches and glory forever and ever. And we joined that. You know, I, I encourage our folks when we're singing, hey, we're not just singing so the person in front of you is like, oh my gosh, they, could, they should go on American Idol. No, we're singing 
singing to God. We are singing out to yeah. the praises of him, joining that choir surrounding his throne. And uh, I love it. And I got to give props. I don't like their music, but Casting Crowns has a great song called Life Song. So there it is. Who am I? I'm just a voice of truth right now. So go listen to them. Uh. Oh, man. I, I actually love Casting Crowns. And JC, I remember sitting in the choir at Temple Baptist talking to you about Casting Crowns when they first came out. Yeah. And we were like, have you heard this song? Have you heard this song? And man, we were sitting there, we were practicing a Southern gospel song, but we were talking about Casting Crowns. And uh, yes, some radio stations do overplay them, and I think they would even agree with us on that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really thankful for how some of their music changed my whole perspective, because at that time in my life, I wasn't ready to go to Toby Mac yet. Uh, I'm fine with that now. But at that point in my life, I was like, hold on a second. But, dude, that was such a uh, voice of truth in my life <laughs> that, that uh, really focused me on what music was all about. And, Brian, you mentioned it. JC, you just mentioned it a second ago. Scripture is sufficient to direct mm. the church in its worship. That's right. Absolutely. Scripture tells us how we approach God. We approach him with singing. We approach him with humble hearts. We should approach him with clean hands, which tells us we should confess our sins. We shouldn't just stand up and sing these songs that we don't mean, sing I Surrender All, knowing that we're living in open or hidden sin in our lives. We should approach God in reverence, in awe, in humility, in truth, in spirit. The Bible has so much to say about how we should worship and we degrade the Bible, mm. we dishonor the Bible, we dishonor the Holy Spirit when we lift our preferences, That's right. music styles, over Scripture. Guys, it's, it's just, it makes sense to me, it's just common sense that the Bible carries more weight than some little Midwestern Baptist preacher's opinion. You know, yep. I'm, I'm still hung up on the fact that you brought up Toby Mack. Um, <laughs> you don't think I even know who that is, do you? Oh, I'd, I'm sure you could probably rap his music if you wanted to. I actually can. I got one in my mind right now, but I won't Let's do it. I'll spare it. you. Let's hear it. I'll spare you, man. Come on. Come on. You've already on, sung Brian. twice on this episode. Rap. Come on, man. <laughs> Don't you remember? Back from the dead. I'm the sleeper done slumbering. Pass me the mic and I might start mumbling. I crumble like a cracker. I fall like a leaf. You know. Oh, man. See, I can break out some of that. Hey, Brian. You rap like a cracker. I just got to tell you that. <laughs> that True was, that. You are, you are terminally white. <laughs> True that. Well, but no, Nathan, you were talking oh, about, you were talking about scripture. You know, Psalm 33 says, shout for joy in the Lord. O you righteous. Yeah. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of 10 strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. And, you know, I think the reason that we don't experience that more often and the reason that's not a, a greater reality in our lives is because we don't live, verse 21 of that same psalm, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Yeah. I don't know that we really know what it means to be glad in the Lord. You know, the other day I was at home and um, I'm really hesitant to share this and I hadn't even planned on it, but I was at home and you guys know I've been going through this serious health battle that I've been dealing with now for the last over six months. And guys, there's some times when anxiety is unbearable in my life to the point that it is so painful to even wake up and try to go through the day. It's been that difficult. But the other day I was at home and I was listening to uh, one of Maverick City's new songs. Uh, mm. the, the title of the song is Gyra. Yeah, it's so You good. are enough, Gyra. You are enough. And, uh, and then it, it came to that bridge in the song. If he dresses the lilies mm. with beauty and splendor, how much more does he love you? How much more does he love you? If he watches over the sparrow, you know, how much more does he love you? And guys, I got to be honest, nobody in the house but me and the Holy Spirit. And man, I, I just standing in the house crying uncontrollably. I'm talking about crying to the point that, I mean, I lost it. Hands up in the air, just worshiping him with all of my heart, with all mm -hmm. of my, my might, shouting out to him, literally shouting out his beautiful characteristics and his goodness and his faithfulness. 
my heart was glad in him mm. as a result of hearing music that honored and glorified him. Yeah. So Psalm 33, how about make that a standard? Make mm. sure you glory in him, that you're glad in him. Play loud music, sing loud to him. And, and how about this? Experience what it means to have a glad heart because of him. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I, I think of the words of Christ when he talked about it's, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It, it's what comes out of his heart. Ooh. Yeah. And worship is all about the heart. Yeah, it man, is. I, I've stood in churches and sang songs knowing that my heart wasn't right with God. Yeah. And it, it wasn't worshiping in spirit and it wasn't worshiping in truth. And there have been times in worship services where I was singing and I was convicted. The mm. Holy Spirit was working yes, through the songs and I knew that my life didn't line up with what I was singing. Uh, mm. and, and God has used that and the Holy Spirit has used that in my life. And there have been times where my heart was right and maybe I didn't sound that good, or maybe it wasn't a style of, of music that somebody else liked. My cousin the other day sent me an old Selah song that he had just heard for the first time, you and it was an old... It wasn't that one, but Ooh, it, it, was, so beautiful. It, was, it was a song. I don't even remember which one it was, but man, I was just in tears listening to this song that was honoring and glorifying God and lifting Him up and yeah. praising His name and... It made me forget about myself, and it made me think about my God. Mm. And if we could do that more often, and if music could help us do that, we would we would set our eyes upon Him, and the things of this world would truly grow strangely dim, yeah. as the hymn says, in the light of His glory and grace. I really do believe that the, the statement, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy, and I mm. believe that encapsulate music and worship. Yeah. When we lift our voice in vocal singing and instrument singing to God, it, it encapsulates that presence of joy. Like it's yeah. just you you cry out to him, Abba, Father. Yeah. I mean, we are singing yeah. to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I, I love it, man. There's a new song that's out right now that just talks about his mercy. Where would we be if it weren't for him? I mean, where would we be if it weren't for his mercy and grace? And I heard that one the other day, and there's so many songs we could sit here and just go on and on and on about that Talk about the goodness of God, and I believe He speaks to us, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it's in the dead of night through a song of, yeah. you know, if that's reading scripture, that is a song out of the book mm-hmm. of Psalms, or if that is a song that's played, He speaks to us yeah. through music. And next week, yeah. I'm real excited about getting three incredible people on uh, this episode with us that are writing some incredible music. Uh, there's a few of these folks that have written some songs that a lot of our churches are singing right now. We've got Chris McClarney that's going to be coming on. Uh, Brian, what's some of the songs that Chris has written? Man, he's written some of the most famous songs in all of worship music. How about this? Your Love Never Fails. Oh, We've wow. all sung that one. Hallelujah for the cross. Uh, God of miracles. I exalt thee. Um, man, he's just written so many yeah. incredible yes and amen. Come All on. your promises are yes and amen. I mean, this We've guy. We've got the OG. Yeah, he's he's amazing. So that's next week with Chris McClarney. We've also got our worship pastor from here at Connection Church, Chase Buchanan, uh, has written some incredible songs. Mountain, Never Stop, Faithful Right Now may be one of my favorite all-time songs. It is a song that uh, middle of the night, I was having one of those moments of, okay, God, I know you spoke, but now what? And this song came on YouTube, and man, it hit me right where I was standing. And in fact, that's how God led us here to Statesboro, was through that song, looking up the church. Mm -hmm. And so Chase Buchanan's coming on, and these are two guys that are writing music that the church is singing. And then we've got a great worship leader in Kelsey Bolton from there in Hope Church. And so I'm excited about next week's episode as we sit down and talk with three incredible uh, people who are on the forefront of the worship music industry right now. So I would encourage you before next week's episode to go and find some of their music, listen to it, worship with it. Chris McClarney, Chase Buchanan, I know they can be found on YouTube, and you can go to Hope Church and find Kelsey Bolton leading worship there. I'm excited about next week's episode. We're going to shut up, sit back, and listen to three professionals talk about 
incredible, incredible worship music. Guys, it's been a good week. Can't wait for the meetup. Go to recoveringfundamentalist.org. Buy your ticket. Come and hang out with us in Bourbon, Missouri, August 26th, 27th, 28th. While you're there, get you some soap, free life soap. And, uh, man, thanks, Patreon and Justin Knight. It's been a great week. Looking forward to next week. Y'all have a great week. Be sweet. Peace. (laughs) Got you back. That was good. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your T-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.